my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You're listening to Studio 22. Welcome to Studio 22 Podcast. I'm Will Meldman here with Brock O'Hearn, as always, with his bright blue eyes. We are joined by actor, comedian, writer, director, Kevin McNamara, and we are excited to dive in. Well, I love when people see us and we're tall and, you know, relatively good looking and, you know, the whole thing. And then we're like, yeah, never, you know, my dad really pe- real piece of shit and they're like oh is your life hard <laughs> relax man <Jesus. laughs> try to be vulnerable yeah. right now <laughs> oh are you tall and handsome fuck you I'm like all right man yeah. well i'll just go Let's fuck see. myself i guess who needs feelings anyways yeah yeah that's fucked up yeah yeah but being though. a stand-up comic it's kind of like you know people don't you get on stage and people see like when i get on stage the very first thing i have to do is say something self-deprecating because I have yeah. to, like, I have to acknowledge the thought in the room, which is like, oh, look at this fucking douchebag. Right, <sighs> like, a, what's that called? Like a, like a de-escalation or like a, what's yeah. the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Disarming. Yeah, yeah. I have to be, I have to be more charming than most other comics. Because yeah. it's like, oh, d- t- tell me about your problems, pretty boy. And I'm like, right. I actually... <laughs> Never met my dad. I'm grew, gonna, grew up in the projects. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, okay. It really comes down to how much time do you have? Yeah. I have to do the same thing. Obviously not a comic, but but I've done that my whole life, too, because I got tall very quick in high school. I was already 6'5 by the time I graduated. Um, so I've always kind of like, until the past couple of years, but I've kind of like 
stood with my legs spread apart a little bit, so I'm a little bit shorter. I've kind of brought myself down. I didn't stand tall. I would say things that are self-deprecating uh, self and kind of just make yourself, everyone else around you feel more comfortable for whatever reason that or or however you can do that. Yeah. And it just it's just so that people will be normal around you, be comfortable. Because I found that, I don't know what it is, man, but uh, it's going to sound such like, this is a douchebag thing to say, I think. But I feel like I have, just by existing at times, it brings out people's insecurities and then they project them onto you. And then you're like, oh, sick. So yeah. you hate me because I got long hair or you hate me because you think I have a great life or you hate me because like whatever the thing is, you think I get more chicks than you, like whatever the thing is, right? Um, so you got to kind of just be like, dude, yes, I do have, I'm grateful that I'm tall and I got hair and all this shit. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. I'm not going to complain about it. But at the same time, I had some fucked up shit happen. Yeah. You know, life, well, actually, life happens to all of us. I actually love it when people uh, assume that my life is so easy and great because, uh, <laughs> because I, as a stand up comic, and most stand up comics will tell you this, like, uh, no matter how much you hate me, you will never hate me as much as I hate myself. Right. Like, I look in the mirror every day and I'm just like, ah, fuck again. <laughs> I woke up. God damn it, man. Can I just, just, can I, I have sleep apnea. Can I just eventually just not breathe or something? And people are like, oh, your life seems so good. I'm like, yeah, because I'm not, a, I'm not going to whine about it, but also right. like kind of fuck me, you know? Like, yeah. So people always assume that, you, like, especially with social media, right? Because we're all, especially, in in your case and my case people that live normal lives like some guy in missouri you know who wakes up every day and and goes to work and welds in the cold and all kinds of shit yeah he sees us doing cool shit and he's like oh man those those guys have it those guys have mm. the life it's those guys lives are easy but none of us are really portraying what our lives are really are like i don't go on my instagram and post a, a picture of me by myself eating a pizza, you know, right. <laughs> like, like thinking about how lonely I am. I go on there and I post the good times where I'm like, oh, I'm, I have, I'm out riding motorcycles or I'm shooting yeah. at Terran Tactical. My life is awesome. And then I go home alone and, <laughs> and I just sit at home and write for 14 hours. There are definitely some kind of like, you know, deep rooted psychological principles on masculinity there for sure and in society as a whole right that everyone kind of either projects or feels or tries to understand um yeah there's there's a lot to it i think right and i mean there's some crazy statistics out there too um just with masculinity and men in society right now that are pretty frightening when it comes to that stuff but yeah no i totally agree it's it's crazy I'm, you know, I'm single, 33, um, trying to figure that part out, you know, and it's, it's not easy, especially in a place like LA. Well, yeah. And, and I think, especially with the current climate, you know, when you have terms that get thrown around like toxic masculinity, sure. Um, sure. There are aspects of being a man, um, in society that people could deem toxic. Right. But the idea of masculinity in and of itself being toxic is such a dangerous idea yeah. because you have to have aspects of masculinity in society for things not to break down. You have oh, to, hell yeah. you have to have protectors. You have to have 
rules. You have to have law and order. And all of those things are maintained by a certain aspect of masculinity. Um, if it's when you get into men just genuinely being bad because they're men, then you're, you, you set up a society where kind of where we're at now, where you have um, men that are afraid to be men and do man things, you know, and, and you, you have situations like we have now where, you know, men aren't going into the trades anymore and you're, you're finding that nobody wants to work. Nobody wants Mm. to, to work hard. Everybody wants to be an influencer or a, a YouTuber or all these other things. And the ideal of, of a man that, that goes out and works and brings home a good living and, and protects, um, is kind of fallen by the wayside. I think it's really dangerous for us for society. Yeah. I mean, especially too, you kind of look at all these DEI initiatives as well. And it's like, where is all that in those hard jobs, like construction or plumbing, you know, like things that are 95% male driven, right? Right. There, there is none. Right. right. It's only jobs that have influence or, or power or some sort of notoriety attached to them. Um, but yeah, it's typically men that do it. And because we can, you know, typically handle it and sack up and get the job done. Yeah. And I, I saw something recently, uh, some stats on, on, cause it was all about toxic ma- masculinity and one of the, and of course it could all be wrong. You know, I don't know what these stats are true or not or whatever, but it said, 43% of uh, boys are raised by a single mother, and then 90% of teachers are female. Um, and so they said, it, is it really a toxic masculinity problem or a lack of masculine influence in somebody's life, right? Because I mean, right. there's two out of three of us right here, right, that grew up without a dad, right? To, to a degree, I don't know if you have a stepfather or something like that. But uh, I had a stepdad, yeah, but yeah. he was a... <laughs> <laughs> Just added abuse of alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Sick. There you go. Fuel to the fire. <laughs> exactly. I know, it, uh, I know it too well, man. But... um. Yeah, that's it makes you think, right? Like I'm so grateful for my mom and and the, you know, the role what was that? Oh. But um, but the role that she took on, you know, raising five kids by herself and doing it cleaning houses, man. Like it, it, uh, I can't even imagine putting food on the table for five kids, let alone doing it with uh by yourself, you know? And but for me, it gave me more empathy for her, for women, for my sisters, for seeing the way that men treated them, seeing the way. And so I think it's a blessing in my sense, you know, but at the same time, exactly at the point where like, <laughs> what did I become? You know, like right. I, I wanted to be the biggest guy in the room. I wanted to be Conan, Hercules or whatever, like on TV and film, the stuff that I looked up to were those men that were, you know, leaders or change history, you know, that their name was remembered for all of time. Like, like it, there's an element of that in me of like, I wanted to become the man that I never had in my life, you know? Right. Well, if you think about it too, if you, like, if you really think about the situation, if, if you have that amount of broken homes, right, then you don't have a masculine energy in the house. At some point when you're a young man and you're, you're going through um, puberty, you get to a point where you start having this abundance of testosterone. And if you don't have somebody in the house to direct that, and show you how to use that to, to, to be masculine, but also how to control your, your temper, how to control yeah. um, those urges, how to control those things. And, and somebody who has experiences with dealing with that amount of testosterone and dealing with, with that time in life, then you're, you're, you're basically, you're putting, you're putting a pit bull out into the world and you're saying, 
hey, uh, be nice to everybody, but but we're not we're not going to give you any tools of how to be nice. Right. So you're 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 it, the issue is you're you're when you have these homes that don't have a, a masculine energy in the house, and you're asking a mother to control and contain that masculine energy when she has no idea what it is like to feel that way. Um, her first instinct is to go, well, masculinity is bad. Right. Right. And, and testosterone and, and, and uh, is bad. So control all that and just push all that down. Well, you can only do that for so long before y- your natural impulses start to show. Yep. And that's where you get all of these angry kids coming from. That's where you get all these, these angry men that have pushed it down and pushed it down and pushed down their emotions and pushed down their thoughts and pushed down their feelings until they explode and they become toxic because they don't know how any other way to deal with it. Yeah. And every statistic out there supports everything you're saying. Right. And you know, it's a hundred percent. It's kind of resorting back to survival instincts with a chemical imbalance, like you said. Right. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where we're, where we're heading with that and how we're going to fix that or address that. But I think culture has a huge part to play in it. Um, I think culture is like more important than a lot of people even realize or give it credit for. Um, culture being, you know, media, films, television. Um, you know, a lot of people raised by movies and TV, right? Like right. parent just puts them in front of the TV and they get their favorite shows. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, also too, like, I, talk, I was talking about this a couple of friends about, you know, when you grew up in the 90s, 80s, 90s, you look at these action heroes, right? And it's all about being masculine. It's mm-hmm. all about that. And then it's it's shifted over time, right? But yeah, there hasn't been a time until I feel like now it's coming to more coming more into light where you can have a, a man who's masculine who can also talk about his shit. Right. And that gives guys, the rest of us, permission to go talk about that, to be vulnerable and to, to talk about shit that we've been bottling up our whole life. We've been trying to figure out, trying to, I'm still figuring shit out, dude, from my, from my past, you know? Um, and I might continue for the rest of my life. I don't know. But, but at the same time, like having a space where guys can just be guys and, and talk about their stuff and yeah, we can make fun of each other and we can, you know, joke about stuff or we can sit down and actually really dive into what the problem is. And chances are, you know, we're sitting here that we probably have all been through something pretty similar that, you know, we could help each other through, you know, if we were just open enough to have that conversation. And I think it's moments like this where, where men are talking about it and saying, look, dude, I can still be a dude and tell you that I cried last week because of X, Y, Z or whatever, or something I remember from what, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you're kind of a bitch though, right? Yeah. Say, 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 say it again. Say it again. <laughs> Nothing. I said, uh, I said, check out these crystals, man. They're fucking cool. Energy crystals. Yeah, man. Yeah. Very LA of you. What did you uh, put in those things? Dude? No, man. I, t- you know, what's interesting is like, um, I, I'm blessed because I have an outlet in stand-up. Mm. So I can get on stage and I can just kind of lay my shit bare. And and I'm probably more honest on stage than I should be. Um, but everything I talk about, like when I, I hate when comics will 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 tell a joke and they'll be like, that's not really how I feel. It's like, yeah, you kind of do. Right. You you're you're trying to address it in a comedic way, but at the same time, it's still if you if you came up with it and you thought of it and it's important enough for you to go out and do on stage, it's kind of the way you think. Yeah. And that's okay if you're honest about it. Everything that I talk about on stage, I'm honest about it. There there's 
genuinely things that affect me that um that aggravate me that do make me laugh that i am that that's very important to me they're they're all things that i talk about i wouldn't get on stage and talk about something that's not important to me but i can get on stage and i can i can lay all those emotions out there in a way that people can relate to it and people can laugh about it and if you can find a way to laugh at yourself life is so much easier yeah like, you know i can talk about my stepdad kicking the shit out of me and i can talk about it in a way that other people that have ex experienced that can go oh fuck man yeah my stepdad hit me with a tonka truck and you're like oh yeah see it, it hurt right you know it's like mine hit me with a real truck <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's like yeah. but but if you can laugh about those traumas then you can you can deal with them it's yeah. the people yeah. that just don't deal with their shit that end up you know shooting up schools and yeah you know and 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 being these quote-unquote toxic toxically masculine you know individuals that you see you mentioned the word outlet right and I'm, I'm thinking back like i had an older brother all my friends and i played sports right like we would literally go to the park every day after school if we didn't have like lacrosse practice or whatever and play tackle football on the grass and when you're a kid you're like indestructible so you got you can like lay each other out but that's like masculine energy being an outlet right because then we go home we're tired we're chill whatever and like we got all our energy out and all that i think whether it's comedy or sports or whatever i think those outlets are super important and like we really need to focus on those and the, another thing that kind of reminded me of that was Bill Burr always talks about like his anger stuff, right? Love Bill. And you're like sitting there and you're like, he probably honestly has some anger stuff he's dealing with, but he's able, like you said, to express it in a way where you're kind of on the journey with him, right? Would you say that's a good example of like someone who maybe has some Oh yeah, Bill Bill definitely <laughs> definitely has some some uh some anger issues uh down underneath. Um yeah, but that's the thing that makes Bill great is that he's honest about it. Right. You know, he he admits I have I have I have a temper issue and every once in a while I spaz out and I I lose it. And but that's what makes that's what ingratiates you to guys like Bill, you know? It's like if when you think when you think about the great comics, you know, you talk about talk about prior Oh yeah. The guy gets on stage and admits to smoking crack and setting himself on fire. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you don't talk about that unless you have dealt with your shit and you know who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, he gives other people the ability to go, Oh, well, fucking Richard Pryor can smoke crack and still be famous and get his shit together. I can smoke I'm I'm a crackhead, but I can probably figure it out, you know? Yeah. So you don't really know the the great thing about comedy or any kind of media in general is you don't really know who you're touching and you know how you don't know how you're affecting them but you're affecting them right so it's 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 that ability to just reach out on a human level to other people and give them the ability to see things differently than they see it in their life that makes it worthwhile that's why I love filmmaking that's why I'm a filmmaker right i just i i love affecting people and that's kind of what I was getting at with the importance of culture, right? Like you really do reach people and right. affect people with it. And I think it's now like more important than ever. Like, you know, Rogan the other day was saying how comedy is kind of the last 
stand like the last bastion of freedom we have right now in culture because now comedians are kind of like rebels again right with all these sense censorship things going on at all the big tech companies and all that right it's like stand-up comedy is a safe space to to do that in culture it is but i gotta be honest i don't think that's the last bastion because if you look at filmmaking it, filmmaking in the past even independent filmmaking you still kind of needed the studio um influence right, right. Nowadays, with the avenues that you have, you don't you don't need the studio. You don't need twenty people saying, "Okay, well, this idea will work, and you can do this, and you can do that." If you look at um, uh, if you look at that the the most recent film, um, Sound of Freedom. Yeah. If you look at that, for for instance, that was a film that they had been pitching and pitching and pitching and every studio was like, we're not touching it. So they went out and they crowdsourced and they got the money to, to shoot it and they put it out, even though nobody would put it out, they found a way to get it out there and they got their message across. And then it became this huge, you know, huge, huge talking point and it's, it's moved the needle. Uh, is it as easy as stand up? No, because you can get on stage and, and say whatever the hell you want. It doesn't mean everybody's going to see it, but if you're willing to put the work in and find an avenue, I think that any source of media is, is applicable. You just have to be willing, number one, to take the risk and number two, to put the work in. Totally agree. Right. Um, I completely agree. And even on YouTube, right. You, you see these YouTube channels that are getting, big politicians on to come speak like Vivek just went on Friday night tights the other week. Right. And Benny Johnson is essentially like the new Fox news, right? Like there's so many different ways to do it. So I, I agree there it's, there are more outlets and there are, but that's like culture, the beauty of culture as a whole, right? Like it could be in many different places. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be. To be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. 
If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Yeah, I mean, even on that point too, like it's become a thing for a presidential candidate to do podcasts. Yeah. Because of the influence and reach that it has, right? The conversations that get to be had and the rawness and realness where it's not like, you throw it up on a media station and then it's edited down to whatever they want it to be essentially, um, or cutting you off. But yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot to be said with that. It's exactly what you're saying with artists, you know, like it's our expression, our story. That's the whole point of making films is storytelling, right? What story do you have to tell and do you have the courage to go do it? And it's not easy no matter what scale you're on, but you find a way if you really want something, you find a way. And that's honestly, I got to see your film topper, man. And that's what I got to experience, man. You did something really special with that and it it invoked emotion to me the whole time i felt something the entire time i was in it dude and i was like i i it my hat is off to you on that man i want to know uh more about that how long it took you to develop it to write it to why you chose that story you know like what was it about that that uh you wanted to tell that story thanks i that 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 uh that means a lot but before i get into that i want to one last point that i wanted to make when we were talking about um, you know, these forms of media and specifically, uh, politicians coming onto these podcasts. What I love about podcasts and what I think is important about podcasts is especially long form podcasts is when you have a guest on like a politician, right? And you do Rogan, it's three, three and a half hours, right? You can't keep your charade up for that long. Yeah. Eventually the audience is going to see who you really are. You're going to slip up. Because politicians are good at faking for, you know, three minute press yeah. conferences or five minute press conferences or 15 minute sound bites. But in three and a half hours, you're going to let slip who you really are. And I think it's what's important with podcasts. I think it's what import, what's important with Rogan. I don't always agree with what Rogan has to say. And I don't think anybody should. Right. Um, but when you get somebody on like, um, like uh, Robert, Robert Kennedy Jr., and he gets on there and he's rah, rah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Mr. Freedom. I'm Mr. This, I'm Mr. That you get him on for three and a half hours and you start to go, Oh, you, you are to a point, yep. but you're not everything that you're saying that you are. So I think those long form podcasts are important. I think it's important to really get an idea of who somebody is, you know, let all that bullshit fall away. No teleprompter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Joe isn't afraid to ask questions, you know, the big questions. I think that's important, you know, because you're what I, what I will say about Joe 
and his podcast is it's not an echo chamber. He asks questions from both sides. Yeah. You know, he doesn't just want you to, he's not giving you talking points. Right. I love that. I think that's important. Yeah. It gets an objective view of uh, uh, any topic, right? You get to see both sides and make up your own decision. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And don't, you know, most of these interviews that you see these guys doing on TV, they, the, the, their handlers have given the interviewer a list of questions they're allowed to ask. Yeah. Look at Tucker Carlson, right? Like he was really limited at Fox with what he could cover. And then he eventually got fired for it. And now he's doing hour long segments like every other day on Twitter. Right. And it's like, he's been unleashed. He's like and he more gets 20 times the views. Oh, hundreds of millions. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So crazy. Crazy. He's it's averaging so like 1.5 million on Fox. And then he goes on Twitter. It's like it's 20 million. <laughs> yeah. It's bonkers. Um, independent media though. Yeah. And, and, and independent filmmaking. Yeah. Going back to Topper. Um, he, Topper was a very important story to me because for two reasons. Um, number one, it's, uh, semi-autobiographical a lot of the things in that film happened to me uh so it was important for me to tell that story um for anybody that's experienced that such as yourself um somebody that's experienced abuse experienced um you know qu- qu- doubting themselves doubting their their choices in lives di- doubting who they are doubting if they want to continue in life those types of things uh so that was important to me and then also um like we were talking about before the podcast as an actor, I've been, I've been in, in LA in Hollywood fighting to be an actor for 15 years. And I got to a point where I was just tired of begging for my supper. I was tired of doing these auditions and busting my ass and driving to Santa Monica during rush hour and sitting in traffic for two hours to get there. And, and you walk in and there's 200 dudes that look exactly like you for one role that has already been given to the casting director's cousin. Right. You know, and you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. I'm trying so hard and nobody's going to let me in because I don't know this producer or i'm not related Mm. to that director so i got to a point where i was just like you know what fuck this process fuck learning all these lines for a character that i don't care about that has that has no development that isn't interesting and a script that's dog shit so i can be in the next remake of this movie from 1984 right like what am i doing Fuck this. I want to make cinema. I came to LA to make cinema, to make stories that people care about, characters that people care about. Because I remember movies growing up that did that for me and evoked emotion like in you when when you watch the movie because it's real. I, I, I didn't write Topper and I didn't put the team together to make Topper based on is this gonna sell well in China? You know? Right. Is this gonna is this gonna do well in the theaters? I wrote it because it was a story that was important to me and a character that had a real, a real arc and a real draw. And it was real stories about people that I, I felt like people could connect with. And I shot it that way. And luckily it's done very well. Like as far as connecting with people, you know, it's, it's kind of jump started my career in the way that I wanted it to go. Oh yeah. Um, my friend who's here, you guys can't see him. Uh, we we connected through through Topper, and um, 
and he saw it and and fell in love with it and and fell in love with my vision as a filmmaker and he's been my biggest cheerleader since and and through that things have just you know kind of snowballed so um and topper's been the vehicle for that so far so i'm, I'm pretty excited about it i love hearing that story of of um you know getting into writing that way because i i have a similar story in that sense of like moving from something to trying to just write right so like i'm really interested in hearing like what was that process like to start writing or were you a writer before um obviously you have comedy so like maybe that's writing that helps but how did that kind of work no i wasn't i wasn't a writer i i've been a cinephile since i was a kid right i've watched thousands of movies um and just through watching movies i kind of figured out how movies were structured and coming into the industry when i first came into la i would take these background jobs and i would literally never leave set like mm -hmm. they would send us off to holding you know and i would never leave set i would sit and just watch how cameras were moved and and how they set up shots and and listened to the you know the lingo and the way they talked and i i just literally never left set and i was getting these background jobs not because i needed the money i did i was broke but because i wanted to see how it worked and i learned from there and then i just read script after script after script of scripts that i thought were brilliant mm -hmm. and and just kind of analyzed how they were structured character development story development and kind of self-taught myself on how to do it and um and just wrote and wrote and wrote until the point where i was like okay i kind of think i know what i'm doing at this point and then just sent it out to people that i was blessed enough to come in contact with and ask them opinions you know yeah and um people that are like pretty big movers and shakers in hollywood that i was lucky enough to meet and just say hey I know this probably sucks, but can you read this <laughs> give me notes. and give me notes and tell me what sucks about it? And, uh, and luckily everybody that I sent it to was like very honest. Yeah. And that's what I appreciated. I mean, I got a note one time about a script that I wrote. It was like a short story and I sent it to, I don't want to say who I sent it to very big, uh, showrunner, writer, producer guy. And, uh, and he sent me back and his only note was, write something else <laughs> oh, God. i was like okay cool yeah well that was uh, that's constructive yeah that was three weeks of my life that oh, i shouldn't have man, invested that's that's pretty that good. Is funny. but i appreciated it you yeah, know? It was yeah. like it was honest and he was right yeah. it was dog shit everybody that read it was like cool man this yeah i mean you should keep acting and i was like oh, damn. Cool. but i mean it's that same line if you want to make a business right you might have an idea it doesn't mean it's a good idea right yeah I mean, it's the same thing in writing. It's it's all that. It's like if if you're committed to it, yeah, you're probably going to go do it, and then you're going to realize, wow, I should have stopped, or should have had that, should have sent the message to the one friend that was going to tell me the damn truth from the beginning. But yeah, sometimes you need an extra pair of eyeballs. But yeah, man, it's sometimes we make good shit, and sometimes we make bad shit. It's just the way it goes. I I have this saying that I use, and I say, if you were going to fill up a pool on a hot day with my good ideas or my bad ideas, you want to go swimming in my bad ideas because the pool is going to be very, there's going to be two inches of water in the good idea pool right. and six feet of water in the bad idea pool. Right. But the important thing is those bad ideas, just continuing to build on, on bad ideas 
is where the good ideas come from. It's like comedy. Half of the stuff that I that I write is dog shit. Because I, I, you write something, you're like, oh, dude, this is the most brilliant thing I've ever written. Man, I can't wait to kill him with this washing machine bit. <laughs> and I get on stage and people are like, no thanks. <laughs> all right, yeah. well, that wasn't funny at all. I guess I got to go back and write a drier bit. You know, like, <laughs> people will tell you if your shit sucks. You just have to be man enough to, like, take that and be like, all right, well, I'll try something else. Do you have a specific memory of like a specific joke that was kind of like that? Oh, dude. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So brutal. I did this. So it was my first headlining show. And uh, I had written this like this like 10 minute bit about dog people versus cat people. And there was like maybe 30 seconds of the bit that was good. And that was like literally the last 30 seconds of the bit and the other nine and a half minutes was just horrible so i'm like doing this headlining gig and it's in front of like 22 people at a casino in bakersfield or some shit and for 10 minutes it was just it was literally i could hear people drinking through straws (laughs) and like in my head i'm like dude this bit went so much better in my head like it this this shit kills on paper and i got to the last 30 seconds and people like laughed and it was almost like a laugh of like oh jesus christ finally (laughs) and i was like all right thank you good night and i went backstage and i went into my phone and i deleted everything in my joke notes not just that joke everything i was like i need to start completely over comedy will humble you quick Oh, dude, so I'm quick. so afraid of getting up in front of a crowd and, and speaking like that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it takes Can't some guts, man. Not, I had a guy try to fight me over a bad joke once. Who did? Yeah. But it's all, none of it, it's all silly. Everything we believe is silly to yeah. someone. You know, like everything yeah. we're talking about right now, there's going to be people that are going to be like, fuck yeah, man, I completely agree. I identify with everything Brock says. And then there's going to be somebody else that's going to be like, Brock, Brock is a complete and total fucking idiot. But, tell me your real thoughts Kevin. no but I mean, you know what i mean like <laughs> no, everybody like no yeah, matter no, what you say there's gonna be somebody that's gonna be like that's the dumbest thing I've that's ever life heard. dude no, yeah, matter, the no matter what you do in life you're never gonna have 100 percent people like you no for sure and people you have their own st- yeah, exactly they have their own stuff going on they're all going through something like whatever reason who cares man you can't live your life uh with expecting or seeking the validation of others or you're gonna be miserable all the bro time. there's people that hate jesus yeah that's wild yeah <laughs> like the nicest dude ever yeah. he died like, never even that guy. never even met him, dude. <laughs> never never. Even met him. oh yeah you were nice to like whores and lepers fuck you dude it's like wait that's what wild, dude what are you mad about bro or the people that like believe in satan or all that other stuff but then they don't believe in god i'm like what are you yeah it's like right, how, man. how does that make any sense it's like hey call your dad <laughs> that's what yeah. this is really about <laughs> just call him it's fine. Just call your dad. Just, just forgive. Just tell man. him you miss forgive. him. Forgive. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on out there, man. You play golf, dude. Big golfer. Hell yeah, man. Big golfer. What gave it away? He's got a golf bobblehead. Brock got that for me, actually. Yeah. What's your handicap? I'm like ten or twelve. I'm right around there. I can go up to a fourteen if I don't play for a while, but but I can also like shoot under eighty if I'm like 
playing consistently. I didn't know what any of that meant. <laughs> I know nothing just knew about that the handicap. I just heard it. I heard yeah. it on a golf podcast once. So you don't play. Someone often, out huh? there will get that. Yeah, yeah. And then there's going to be someone else that's going to be like, "That's fucking stupid." Yeah, Who you cares suck. about golf? Yeah. yeah. See, back Dude, golf over time, man. I started golfing this year, and it's amazing. You did. You probably. Yeah. Do you just hit the ball so far, bro? When he connects. <laughs> When yeah. he connects, he basically hits it as far as I do. When he connects, yeah, and that's, well, that was a kind of a humble brag right there, huh? Because you're like twice his can, size. But that's not. <laughs> no, he, he's a lot of the pro golfers life. are like small. Yeah, They're, it's yeah. more technique. It's all technique, right? It's all yeah. like the problem is I swing. It. I also swing too hard for the the clubs I have, so they like bend and move in ways that make it almost impossible to hit the ball correctly. So I have to slow everything down. No yeah. joke, you need stiffer shafts. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, that's what the girls say yeah, about yeah. Brock too. He needs a stiffer shaft. Yeah, it's been it's <laughs> yeah. story of my life, man. <laughs> Golf problem too. That's what you said. You know, you got to tell people you can't have it all. Yeah, right? yeah. You, you can't, can't be you, you can't be good looking and uh, have a stiff shaft. It's true. Yeah, yeah. that's life. Sometimes you got to bend it like Beckham. You know what I mean? Hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, how does a podcast with three dudes always somehow revert to dick talk? I I think it's we joked about that before you came over here, and I told you I was like, I bet you Kevin's going to bring something up like that. I bet you, and you did about your dick. Yeah. No, he did. I didn't. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, no, no. But I you're, you're, well, I made it about yeah, your yeah, dick. Yeah. But he's he, you can't, dude. You can't say stiff shaft and not talk about a dick. I, it, where did it come from? It had to come from that. Hey, Brock, Man. what size is that shirt? I don't know. Does it look small? It's a double. A little bit. Maybe a triple. Yeah, your arms are big, dude. They're not that big. They've been bigger. <sighs> I didn't ask you to flex though. I was just no, I wasn't. I was just point. feeling how tight it was. You're right. It's a little. I'm tight. repping my Niners. We got a big game coming I'm up really, this weekend. You know, I'm from Detroit, right? Oh shit! I didn't put that together. Actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I like Jared Goff. Jared Goff's a buddy. So I'm like, oh, you're friends with Jared? I'm like, it's going to be a tough one for it because, like, you know, are you going to the game? Diehard Niners. Um, the Super Bowl maybe if the Niners make it. Um, so you're not going to the game? Not this game. <laughs> not this game. No, the Super Bowl. Yes. He's, yeah. Potentially. No. You didn't get that, did you? No. I said, are you going to the game? And he said, you said possibly the Super Bowl if the Niners get in. And I said, so you're not going to the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm okay. I'm catching up. I'm catching up. Yeah, it's fine. The, um, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, like if Jared does it, especially for the Lions, man, like you guys have been out of the playoff sphere for so long like i won't be like angry if the lion well i will for a little bit but yeah, like, yeah you're gonna a be a little, a little upset yeah. i'm i'm uh, believe it or not i'm actually not a lions fan though why not i'm a packers fan oh so you're Duh, mad yeah, at the niners yeah I'm, I'm already mad yeah yeah <laughs> i'm just hoping somebody beats you guys at this point <laughs> yeah no my sense. uh my stepdad the the uh, growing up the abusive one uh he was a diehard lions fan um, um which meant he absolutely hated the Packers, which meant I absolutely <laughs> loved the Packers. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, it's so, so, funny, so it was like, uh, I was like, all right, so well, you real. can beat me up, but uh, on game day, I will have the last laugh. The Brett Favre jersey. Exactly. Brett Favre. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. That must have been a, a, a lot of contention off that alone. Oh, dude, I got punched so many times during football games. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> so many times. It's, it's Every funny time we're the Packers would score, I'd like... be like, yeah, and you'd be like. <laughs> oh, dude, I know the feeling, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. 
Good times, man. I feel like I can genuinely laugh at that because I've been in those shoes. So yeah, you're yeah. big though. How big was your stepdad to be beating the shit out of Not you? Not step, my my real. Yeah. Oh, your real dad. Yeah, and he was a big boy, but he was like, I think he's five eleven, but he's like three hundred fifty pounds and always Oof. on steroids. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. big dude. That's yeah. Because you're what are you, six five, six six. Yeah, six seven, six six, six six. I shrank to six six probably at this point. I, yeah, I thought you were six seven, right? Yeah. Um, but uh. But when you're freaking 12 years old and you weigh 80 pounds, like, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. little different. Yeah, doesn't your really... stepdad's always bigger than you until he's not. Yeah. Yeah. But I got to have one of those moments with, uh, with, with my dad. That's um, kind of weird to share, but I'm going to share it anyways. Had a restraining order against him and ended up having to move in with him while I had a restraining order uh, when I was 17. And I started lifting. Like I started really lifting when I was 15. And when I was at his house, I wasn't allowed to go anywhere. I couldn't go get food, couldn't see friends, couldn't do anything, but I was allowed to go to the gym because he didn't want us to be bitches, like a little bitch. Yeah, yeah. Well, I fucking, I went to the gym, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Within six months, uh, I put over a hundred and something pounds on my uh, bench press. Jeez. And I just kept getting stronger and stronger. I was just, everything I had, I was just pushing in the gym just because you, just so I could like overpower this dude one day. And man, he got in my face one time. He got so pissed at me. And I'm 6'5 at this point, and I'm 17 years old. He's yelling up at me. He's huge. He's skinhead, tatted, just a total psychopath. And um, he was so mad that he was yelling up at me that he made me sit down and uh, ended up, I was just like, I'm so used to this, dude. I was so over it. I wasn't paying attention to anything he was saying. He's just yelling, yelling, yelling. So he, he noticed that when I'm sitting on the ground and he's yelling at me um, and starts swinging on me, just hitting me, hitting me, hitting me as much as he could. And I finally grabbed his wrists and i don't know if you've ever played or uh, uh done jujitsu or anything like that yeah, yeah, yeah like that's one of the easiest things to get out of you can break someone's thumb or like break out of it you know and get he couldn't get out and i was not letting him go man i remember yelling into his face like i was like what does this solve i was like what does this solve this doesn't fix anything you at know? 17 you had 17 you were you you had death more grip. you had but but the not even the death grip but at 17 you had more uh emotional, emotional intellect yeah. than he did right yeah right and that was my moment though where i told him he couldn't i was not going to let go until he swore he wasn't going to hit me again and so finally we got to the point where we broke apart and that was that but um I didn't, I think so many guys don't get that moment where you want to like fight your dad and be the alpha and heal and fix that part of it until later on in life, you know, Terry Crews is one of them, right? Where you get that later on, but I got it at 17 and I earned it cause I worked my ass off, but, yeah. but, um, I, it, it, it changed something to me, dude. It, in that moment, I didn't have to wait till I was 40 years old to be like, Oh, I'm putting this to the past. It's like I was 17 and I had actual control in my life for the first time. And it was like eye opening. It was it was life changing. I can um, imagine seventeen year old Brock after that. Oh, dude! You know the right, like he's just walking through the kitchen, dude. knowing that he could wipe the floor with his dad. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah. "Hand me the Cheerios, pussy." Well, he, he he pulled a gun on me about a week later, so it wasn't that fun. Oh, okay. uh, it wasn't that great of a moment. Oh, he pussed out. Yeah. yeah, but um, I remember we were in high school. Uh, and they did a bench press competition for all the football players. And this one kid was on crazy steroids. They're like, if he does these for another year, he's going to die. He's a senior oh, at the, at the school, like and just acne everywhere. Just crazy. He went up and he bench pressed 225 six times. And then the, the coach did the same thing. That's the most that anybody, and this is a 40 year old man, right? Yeah. I've been working out so much, dude. I went up and I hit 225, 26 times at 17. And I had no, like, 
That's straight up NFL shit, dude. At, That's at like 17, good dude. NFL shit. Dude, I yeah. still can't do 225. <laughs> I can't I mean, do 225 lot, like six times right now. Oh, really? I did it three times. When that's, I was like that's in good football weight. shape. That is good weight. Yeah. Yeah. I think my, what I'm hitting right now is like 275 for 22. I didn't start working out until I was 26. Really? Yeah. I was 305 pounds. Damn. And I was like, you know, that's what? awesome. My New Year's resolution for 2006, and it was just before I moved to LA, I was like, I, I want to have a six pack by March. And I lost 115 pounds in three months. That's badass. Wow. Dude. No stretch marks, no loose skin, no nothing. I had a six pack by March. I was, I was like, how good did that I feel? was like, yeah. Dude. I was like, I'm about to kill these bitches. Right? <laughs> and then I moved to LA and they were like, no thanks. You're broke. And I was oh. like, I should have stayed in Detroit. <laughs> At least I was good looking in Detroit. Oh, in LA, man. I was, I was like, I was like average in, in broke. In Detroit, I was like good looking. Like I, in Detroit, I was like I was a Detroit nine, you know. And then I moved to LA, and I was like a LA six. <laughs> like this sucks. That's not not really impressive, though. That what was like the secret to that? Literally just working out. I uh, yeah, I just got in the gym like three and a half hours a day, and I ate every three hours, and I just I ate like no carbs. I right. Just ate wow. straight protein, and uh, it just kind of fell off. Hell yeah. Weird. Then I got to a point where I was, I was six foot five, 185 pounds. And I was like, I should probably stop losing weight. Right. Like, I looked like I was dying. Well, that's, right. that's funny. Yeah. Cause that's what I weighed when I did the 225. Uh, you weighed 185. This not, is, this is, this I whole am, episode is just a way for Brock to humble Brock. I'm not even, no, but it's funny, bro. But I, I'm only saying this because no, I, I was 185, but I was bench pressing 225 no. like 26 times or whatever. It's not and even, and then I beat my dad up. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> life is good, dude. You're right. <laughs> no, for me, though, it was, it, I only say it's funny because I had the opposite where I was 135 pounds at 6'3 when I started working out and I worked so fucking hard every day for years to get to 185 dude like it yeah. was it was took everything in me and then finally when i was 19 i like really figured out how to put on weight because pizza and you know soda <laughs> yeah was pretty much what did it for me but um it's it's dude getting to that i was still a beanpole dude it's, well you know what's interesting with guys like you and I, I we haven't really talked about your your upbringing but you, yeah you know you you said that your dad gifted you all this amazing artwork. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's a pretty cool guy. Um, but it, what's interesting about guys like you is that that experience with your father um, gave you the work ethic that you have now that has given you the ability to be successful, right? And you, there's something that I say about trauma. You can either use it as an excuse to be a piece of shit yeah. And to continue that that track of life and to continue that behavior, or you can use it as motivation. Mm. And that says a lot about you as a person. And it's and it's also the same on the other side of things. When you have a a, a family life where your your parents give you everything, you can use that as motivation to to be like, okay, I'm going to earn this, right? Or you can use it as an excuse to be like, well, I was given everything in my life, so I deserve it. So I'm going to be a piece of shit and a brat and expect it. Yep. But it says a lot about like you as a person and you as a person that you you take those motivating those those factors as motivation and not as an excuse. And I think that's the one of the biggest problems that we have in society right now is everybody uses everything as an excuse. You yeah. know, oh, there's racism in the world, so I can go out and burn down a Starbucks. You know, or, you know, my dad beat me up when I was a kid. So now I'm, 
you know, now I'm, I, I'm going to go out and, and take that out on everybody. Right. You, you, it's all about who you are when, when everything is, is kind of peeled away. You know, when you, when you're alone at night, do you sit there and say, Oh, the world, the world hates me. It's, it's the world's fault. Or do you say, I'm going to change my world? So, yeah. you know, guys like you guys like you, um, it's um it says a lot about you as a person that you don't that you just go out and you fucking you just do the work and get the job done and don't complain about it and that's what shit used to be yeah i 100 percent. and you know i literally was having this conversation um with my girlfriend the other night uh it was essentially just about work ethic and you know essentially as a man there's something innately inside of you where if you can't protect provide and achieve you just don't feel like yourself or a man right and it's like whatever's given to you it almost i mean it matters obviously but it's also where is that fulfillment where is that happiness coming from if you're not achieving if you're not working if you're not um, helping the world in some way, doing philanthropy, getting, you know, helping others. Um, but yeah, it's strange. We were talking about it cause I literally just the other night was talking with my girl yeah. about it. Yeah. I think it's, that's important for a man to feel accomplishment because if you don't, um, you don't feel like you have anything to offer anybody. Yep. That's like with, with me, I'm 44 years old. I'm still single, never been married, no kids. And people are always like, when are you going to settle down? You know, when you're going to get married, when you're going to have kids. I'm like, I don't feel like I have accomplished the things that I feel like I need to accomplish to earn those types of things. And I think the, that's the biggest issue is that people just think that that's, well, that's what you do. And it's yeah. like, sure, but that's also why divorce rates are so high. Yep. That's also why, you know, fatherless households are you know the the rate of fatherless households are so high it's because people just go oh well you know it's not a, it, they don't look at it as something that you should aspire to they just like they're like yeah you can have a kid sure have a kid you can get married four or five times who cares you can always get a divorce if you if you're not happy if you hold that to a higher regard and you hold yourself to a higher regard um i think that you'd have a lot less you know backtracking on people's lives and how much it affects people hundred percent. I I think draw you know, getting into something for the wrong reasons just leads to terrible shit down the way. Yeah, I got this quote that I've loved. I remember the first time I saw it, and it's uh if you want to change the world, you have to first change yourself. And I think what you're saying is gonna resonate with so many people, resonates with me. And um there's just so much going on in the world. And so when you say like people aren't they're kind of not, they're, they're using excuses, right? They're not really facing themselves, facing their trauma, their pain, dealing with it. They're projecting all this stuff and taking it out on the world instead of looking at inward and saying, for me, what I think would help heal is if people could learn to love themselves. If you could learn to forgive yourself, forgive others around you, love yourself and have gratitude throughout your entire life. Like, dude, I've been through some shit. You know, we've all been through some shit. I'm grateful for everything that happened. Do I wish it all happened? No, it sucked. But Am I grateful? Yeah, because guess what? It made me who I am. It made me think the way that I do. It made me show up in the world the way I do. It made me grow. It forced me to change and, and switch the way that I viewed the world and the, way, the interactions I have with people. Like I wouldn't trade that for anything because 
I'm grateful for that. And I've had some of the best conversations. I have some of the greatest friendships in the world. Like I just, I'm grateful for that. And if you can take pain and turn it into purpose or turn it into power, like, and, and empower yourself through that, you can do anything. And those are big ideas. You know, those the, it, people act so nonchalantly in life. You know, they take these big ideas and they whittle them down to just, you know, the, the what's happening at the moment. But these are, they're, they're really big ideas. And myself right now, I'm, I struggle with, I struggle with imposter syndrome. I struggle with um, believing that I'm worthy or that yeah. I'm good enough. And until I get that figured out, until I can get to a point where I feel like I'm deserving of love and deserving of success, um, bringing somebody else into that is just setting myself and them up for failure because I don't. I don't love myself in the way that I need to love myself to love somebody else. And if I can't love myself, I can't accept love. Right. And that's frustrating for somebody who's not in that position. So I'm yeah. struggling with that now. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I have to do a daily affirmation now that's in the morning to just, to just like myself. Right. You know, so at, until I get to a point where I can really value myself, um, I, I don't need to bring anybody else into that mix. And I think a lot of people kind of really need to think about that. But that's also a testament to your character. And that's also a testament to what you've been through and you not wanting to put that on somebody else, right? Like that's, but that self-awareness alone is so valuable because there are many people out there that have those same thoughts and feelings, but not an understanding of why they're feeling it. So the fact that you have that, at least you have the ability to know that it's there and to address it and you know what you need to work on, what you need to focus on. And, and for me, it's always been, What's the root? Where's, where does all of it come from? And how do we get to the root cause, the reason of it? And how do I heal that? How do I fix that? How do I change that? How do I rewire my brain so that that doesn't affect me anymore, right? And it's not an easy road to go on. And it's no matter how many times you try something, it doesn't mean it's going to work out and, and be in your favor, but you got you can't stop, you right. know? Right. And you do deserve those things. We all deserve those things. And that's where when we get into the mindset of I am good enough, I am worthy just because I exist, you know, I, I might've been told and treated shitty my whole life and had it beat into me that I'm not worth shit, you know, and, and I don't deserve love and whatever it else, but that's not the truth. You know, it's not the truth just because that was your experience early on. That doesn't mean it's your truth. Yeah. And I think that's what's, you know, I think that's, what's important about focusing on men's mental health, especially nowadays, because this is probably the only time I think in, in history, um, societally at least. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA that men can express their emotions because throughout life, you know, people, people think they, 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 when you talk, when you start talking about society, people, Oh, the patriarchy, this, and you know, toxic masculinity, that for the all of history, men have been told, put your, put your fucking head down, do the work, shut the fuck up, you know, kill yourself for your family, hunt, build, we don't want to go hear to about war. yeah go to war we don't want to hear about your emotions go to war kill people experience incredibly traumatic experiences and then come home and shut the fuck up about it yeah and now is the first time where men can go hey man i'm not okay you know i'm i don't need to always fucking just just go to work and bust my ass and i die sooner than you know men die sooner than women because of the amount of stress that's put on them to just be a provider and all these things which is why a lot of men run away from their responsibilities of children right. and, and, and and you know and marriage and those things so i think it's important to to really talk about those things and to, to break down the barriers of men being able to be open and and vulnerable like you have been today like i have been today like you have been today and it's important and i think that in the long run that's one of the great things that have come out of kind of the way that society has kind of broken things down now but it's important for while we are able to allow men to do those things that we allow men to still be men at the same time it's very well said and i totally agree and you know if you literally, if all you're looking at is suicide rates, it's literally like 60% of all suicides are men and specifically white men, but men, um, it's overwhelming and we're not addressing it. You know, no one's addressing it. No, we're not addressing it and and society is feeding into it, you know, of the, the idea of, um, straight white male being the devil and, yeah uh, and and you know those ideals of toxic masculinity and all of those things i think at some point um you're 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 towing a dangerous line because you're alienating a large group of people and you're telling them that they're bad just for being which is the very definition of ageism racism all of those things so if you you if we continue down that path you're you're kind of backing people into a corner and that's yeah. when bad things happen. So I think the, I think it's important to have conversations like this so that uh, so that men who may feel um 
just, you know, uh, who, who may feel backed into a corner, who, who may feel dis, uh, disenchanted with what's going on in the world can kind of go, oh, there's other people that feel the way that I feel. Um, I'm not in a bubble um, and I can talk about it. I mean, yeah. I think it's important. I think mean, it's very important. What did we learn today? We learned that uh, we like you. You're, you're a good dude. Oh, man. You're an all right dude, you know? Oh, man. That'll be good for my affirmations tomorrow morning. <laughs> People like me. <laughs> you're not alone in your own bubble. Well, we learned that Brock uh, is, is too good looking to be as intelligent and emotionally available as he is. Mm. I, need, mm. I need you to, to reel that shit in. I'm going to go jump off that cliff over there. No, there. don't do that. But just, you know, like just you know stare out into the, the out into the space and flex you know that's what you're meant to do Can and we imagine? learned that you you're a good golfer yeah. and that you hit the ball further than you should for your height and body mass and that's important yeah and that you have poor choices in sports teams yep we learned that about you and that you're very, you're also very intelligent. And you're a good looking guy. You're, you're a good looking dude. Hey, you know, I yeah. appreciate that. But like when you, it's kind of like when you, you, I don't know if you should be on the same side of the table as Brock because you buy know. Like comparison and all. Damn. I deal with it all the time. Damn. Yeah. That's why I sat over here. You know, <laughs> you don't want to have two specimens on one side of the table. You know nah. what I mean, guys? You got to balance it out. Yeah. Uh, and we learned that I'm kind of gay. <laughs> so that's cool uh, guys over there behind the computer are laughing at that yeah, I don't yeah. know why you guys think that's funny uh, why is that funny guys is that, is yeah, that funny yeah guys Spencer yeah oh they don't have a they don't have a mic huh oh interesting uh, yeah that's right I like how you can just kind of make them like push buttons and shit over there but you don't give them a mic so they can voice their opinions at all sometimes we spencer we, we usually has to, a mic but then he started voicing his opinions so <laughs> yeah. spencer's got a good head of hair on him huh how old, yeah, are, you, yeah. how old are you spencer I'll be yeah man i remember when i was gonna be 30 next month <laughs> that was a cool time in my life i had hair like that that was cool yeah, i was man. a little taller you know but but good head of hair on you spencer nobody can see spencer this is the part of the podcast where I get to a point where I don't know what else to talk about. Yeah, no, we're there. What? Uh, well, I, w I would love to talk more about the comedy stuff too. Like, what do you have any tours coming up or anything like that, or what do you got going on there? Yeah, so I'm in the process right now of uh, getting switching up management, and uh, I'm plan on putting a tour together uh, this this year. I'm I'm kind of hyper focused on filmmaking right now. Okay. Um, and that takes up a lot of my time, but I, I do, I perform around LA quite a bit. And then, uh, I'm looking at probably in the next couple of months, putting together a, a tour to go around the country and, and do stand up. So very cool. Do you, um, you still get nervous or do you get nervous when you go on stage? No, man, I don't. No. It's weird. Never have. No, that's, that's weird. That takes balls. <clears throat> I fell into comedy. It wasn't even supposed to be a thing. How'd that happen? A dare. A dare. Yeah. Where like you're at a bar and there's an open mic and someone dared no, you. No, my buddy. To... My buddy was hosting a show and he invited me and and I was like, I'll go to support me and my other buddy. Uh, my other buddy's from New York, um, and I'm from Detroit. So we, he and I are just naturally ball busters. Right. So we went to the show and my buddy was hosting and he's, he still does comedy. He, he's going to know who, if he listens to this, he, he knows who he is, but nobody else does, but he's, he's still terrible. And, uh, 
<laughs> sorry, dude. And we, he was hosting this show and, and I went. And so he did like, like an eight minute spot at the beginning of the show crickets. And then, <laughs> and then he would go up between each comic and then he would like do like 30 seconds of like a riff of something they talked about or whatever. Right. And he was just, he's bad. And so every time he'd come back to the table, I'd be like, dude, you're, you're fucking bad at this. And he's like, it's, it's not, it's not easy. And I'm like, it can't be as hard as you're making it look. <laughs> it is bad. And he was like, he's like, easy. And I'm like, no. And he's like, I'll give you, I'll give you three minutes. Go up and do stand up. And I was like, I'm not a comic. And he's like, okay, if you give, if you make them laugh once, I'll give you a hundred dollars. And I was like, hundred bucks. He's like, yeah. I'm like, put the money on the table. They put the money on the table. And I went up and I just told the two stories about the two times I got stabbed. (laughs) (laughs) Laugh number one. (laughs) Yeah. And the audience was like laughing their asses off. And so I I get off stage and I grab the hundred bucks. I'm like, that was easy. And he's like, what the fuck? (laughs) And I was like, I was like, you should get stabbed. (laughs) It's kind of a wealth of laughs. So then uh, I just like kind of got the bug. And I was like, yeah, I think I want to do this. Uh, Just kind of started going. I I literally was doing like four or five open mics a night. Oh, wow. And just kind of went around LA and and figured it out. And and it became a thing. That was, so you said you've been in LA for 15, 14, 15 years or no? 16 years now. So how long ago did you start? uh, Stand up. Stand up, yeah. Five years ago. Oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, damn, yeah. Yeah. Was was there like a high like getting up there and doing it? Um yeah, man. It, there's there's something about when people laugh. Um it kind of <laughs> it kind of like validates you as a person. Like for me, like if I get up on stage and I can just make people laugh, I'm like I, I feel like I'm worth something. It's like, oh yeah, I I do have something, you know? Yeah. Cuz like when you make a movie, any any filmmaker will tell you like you write it and then you send it out and you hope people like it and then they're like yeah it's cool and then you get the money to make it and then you do all the pre-production and you shoot it and then you go into post-production and you don't get any validation for this thing that you created for like two years Yeah. yeah so you're like i hope people like it when it comes out stand up's nothing like that i can write a joke at three o'clock in the afternoon and be on stage at eight o'clock and tell the joke and i have instant verification whether it's funny or not right which is fucking great yeah if i could do that with movies it'd be fucking amazing just like write a movie then go on stage and just read a script yeah and people are just like kind of dog shit i'd be like all right well that's cool but that's how stand-up is like i'm literally putting my thoughts onto a piece of paper i go on stage and people go yes or no it's kind of like it's like the it's like the coliseum for ideas it's either right. a thumbs up or a thumbs down and i'm either getting eaten by a lion or i'm getting a steak yeah it's pretty great it's it's fucking awesome i but love yeah. that i've got a bunch of friends who are filmmakers writers everything and they'll take real life moments that i've seen happen and put them in their films uh do you do that with your comedy with your life or anything like that, or is that something you're going to want? Oh, to yeah. Do? yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, my family hates me because <laughs> I talk about all of our shit on stage. Right. Like 
you know, I talk about my, I, uh, my brother still to this day hasn't forgiven me because I talked about the fact that he had bitch tits. Bitch tits. <laughs> he did, he did. Is he, is he, was he working at Starbucks? Yeah, he just did too much trend yeah. and he got bitch tits. Oh, damn. But uh, he, because he's 6'6", 265. That's but a, yeah, he got, big dude. yeah, he got, he got tits. Yeah, but it was just one tit. He had one tit, like one was That's crazy. like one big tit, and then one yeah. normal tit. I called him Biggie Smalls for <laughs> like a year. Oh, I, I man, this is messed up. I had a buddy who he he did that. He messed with steroids. I don't know what he did, but he had one and it like pointed out, and we'd go to the beach, and he'd always like move it. it around to try and like hide it or whatever i'm like bro you can't hide it man like it's not going anywhere. hey dude wear a shirt <laughs> yeah you shouldn't have done that and now here we are he's um, always got a shoulder holster on for yeah. no reason just crazy <laughs> bro why do you it's wear like, a shoulder holster with no gun don't swing. worry about it dude oh man. try to hide my tit a little tape fix yeah, it right that's, up that's wild man that's yeah when you mess with that stuff yeah man he went bald at 26 like the whole oh. thing yeah so yeah, you get to make fun of him. Yeah, so I just when his... I go home for Christmas, I just I I don't put any product in my hair. I just let it hang down in my eyes. Just look at all this. Yeah, I just walk <laughs> around with my normal chest. Yeah, it's pretty great, man. <laughs> it's pretty great. So he got he might have had the height and the size, but it sounds like yeah, I'm the older brother. You can't yeah, you get bigger than me. That's not yeah. how that works. See, I don't have that. Both my my brothers are much smaller than me, and I love them to death. But I don't have that, man. Yeah, is that weird? You got to look up just a little bit. To my brother, yeah, you guys are pretty eye to eye, then, right? You're six. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, the the thing is, um, no matter how big he gets, I will kick the shit out of him. So that's I a big brother, right? Yeah, now. I don't really, I don't really concern yeah. myself with with any of that. He will beat me at arm wrestling, though. He's stupid strong. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 you know he's a little he's got that spectrum straight strength, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, you, know, I, you got a touch of the tism or something. Yeah. You know what's right. cool is being an uncle. Are you yeah, an uncle? I just became an uncle. Actually. It's cool, right? My big Are you an uncle? Yeah, a... It's cool, right? Yeah, yeah. that's great, yeah. dude. All the shit my little brother put me through, like having to babysit him. I oh, dude, I get it all back. <laughs> I get it all. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. All back. Oh, dude i i bought my I bought my nephew a BB gun. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I bought him a BB gun, and then um, get him a drum set. And uh, yeah, there you go. And I put so much candy in. <laughs> I, I give him so much candy when I see him, and I'm just like, dude, you got a lot of a lot of cats and birds in your neighborhood, man. And I amp them up. Yeah, you, you get them all psyched <laughs> up. Just sugar candy. in a BB gun, dude. <laughs> oh man. My brother's uh, like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I did a. My nephews were like two and four or something like that, and uh, I took them to Disneyland. I had no idea what sugar does to a kid until I took two little boys. Oh, yeah. oh dude, it's to great. Disneyland, bro. It was it's, like it. It is wild. Yeah, yeah but it's the best. Yeah, man. I get them all hopped up on sugar, and then I drop them off. It's <laughs> the best. It's the Love best. you, bro. When I bought when I bought my nephew the the BB gun, I was like I was like, hey man, uh, your one of your dad's boobs is bigger than it should be. Just saying, probably just needs to be drained. And then I just handed him a BB gun. <laughs> Dude, my brother calls me one day and he's like, my son just shot me in the tit. I'm be like, hell yeah, you're waiting for it. Waiting yeah, the for plan, the call. My, my plan has come to fruition. <laughs> the scheme. Oh man. Yeah, man. I have, my family's cool. Like my mom, my mom's the shit. Like I, I talked about missing masculine energy growing up, but my mom is masculine enough for like me and Brock put together. Like my mom, Hell yeah. everywhere she goes, two guns on her at all times. I watched her pistol whip a guy in a, in a target parking lot once. Cause he almost hit me with his car. And he called her a bitch. Oh, fuck like, yeah. I got your bitch. And she pissed a whip them apart. Bro, my mom is amazing. I almost called my mom a bitch one time and she uh she three hundred kicked me down a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> For almost doing it. <laughs> I got to be. I didn't even finish it. I was like, She's Why like, are you being such a bye? And she was like, This is spot on. That's amazing. Oh, my last time. Yeah, dude, she's awesome. Oh man. She's she's uh she's the coolest person in the world. Yeah, brother. Well, yeah, man. we got to do something together at some point. We're going to make some. Dude, I have a skit for us. Oh, skit. Yeah. Oh, you, the one you mentioned at Terrence's birthday. Yeah. Isn't that funny? That's yeah, pretty good. Yeah. yeah. The crowd's not going to know what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah. You we'll, don't even we'll know. I don't even know. No, yeah. yeah. But you'll want to get on this, Will. It's I'm really in. funny, dude. It's really funny. Appreciate you coming on, brother. Is there uh, anything else? What do you got in the pipeline or anything you want to plug or? Uh, you know, you can follow me on Instagram at uh, Kevin Mack. That's K E V. I N M A C. If you scroll far enough, you will find him naked in front of a motorcycle. Yeah, it's on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh man, no, that's awesome, bro. Uh, yeah, Kevin Mack, and check. Well, is your movie Topper out yet? No, not yet. Yeah, it's, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's it'll be it'll be uh, coming out. Great cast, by the way. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Man. I'm really proud of my. I'm really proud of it, man. I think uh, the cast killed it. Um, I was very lucky to get the quality of actors that I got, and. Um, People seem to like it. So, yeah, man. We'll keep it going. Onward and upward. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, man.
All right, guys, thanks for watching the Studio 22 podcast. Make sure that you like and subscribe. And of course, hit that notification bell, because if you don't, YouTube doesn't have us on the top side of the algorithm. Also, make sure that you watch out for our merch, because it's coming soon. Also, Brock has a very soft shaft. Have a good day. Thanks for tuning in to Studio 22. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.